UX Podcast Episode 123. Hi, and welcome to UX Podcast, balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm Pat Axbom. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Danway Tran Luciani. And since Danway is with us today, uh, some of you will know what type of episode we're waiting for. It's a listener phone-in. Yay. And you can, um, well, with these shows, you can always find out when they're going to happen and more instructions on how to take part because they're broadcast live. This is recorded mm-hmm. now, but um, you are broadcast live and you can visit uxpodcast.com slash live yeah. for details. And we have some new software we're trying out today in the sense that people will be able to chat with us live, which will be loads of fun. So not only call in, but they'll be able to chat and, and post questions to us in a chat room. And Yeah, post questions. Um, that tool is um, blab.im. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, before we jump into today's live um, listener phone in, um, can you please take a few moments to visit uxpodcast.com slash survey? And um, give us some feedback about the show. Um, tell us what you like about US podcast, um, what you don't like. It takes not very long at all, but it's really important research for, for us when we're working out what to do and what, how to improve the show and what to s- try and stop doing. Mm-hmm. Let's start the show. I don't know how interested any of you are in all the technical side of, of, of setting up this stuff and podcast, but this is the most technical, technically challenging show that we do is when we do the live um, phone-ins. Um, but Blab has made that a lot easier because now we don't have to have a separate account for calling in. And we used to have a camera over here for broadcasting over Bamboozer, which made it really hard to feed the sound from the caller into the iPad that was standing there. And we also, we also never, I don't know, we never seem to have enough time before we go live. Like I said that at the very beginning here, that there's no kind of demo mode for, for the, a lot of these tools. True. So you, <laughs> to test it, I mean, Skype is good in the sense that you have the test mm. channel, mm. but we, you don't broadcast with Skype. So most of these broadcast tools, they, they, they just have kind of on or off. Um, mm. um, something else I'd like to point out is um, this uh, Blab offers um, a question panel as well. So what you can do is, in the chat, if you type slash Q um, and then your question, um, it appears um, on, on the left side. On the left side in that white um, box. Well, we, we, their left would be that way, I yeah, guess. But they're seeing that. That's the same as they're seeing. Also, that would, if, <laughs> since Rowan was interested in the tech, actually we're on three different networks right now as well because we want to keep the bandwidth okay on that, uh, what you're watching. So when we're also going in as ourselves... <laughs> into the into the broadcast, we are on our separate networks, uh, 4G routers, um, because we want to t- don't want to take up ban- bandwidth uh, and mess up the sound or overage quality on that. Yeah, so we're we're prioritizing mm-hmm. the the stream up to you guys, so you can um, so we don't affect the problem. If there's any problems, it's, n- it's minimizing our input in that, and it's blabs instead. Um, and so d- today is is a reasonably busy UX podcast day um, because this show. Like the last time we did a live one, Pad, um, coincides with a, a new episode coming out. Now, we don't, we obviously don't record the the episodes normally the same day as they they go out. So this morning we published um, our interview of Amber Case. Uh, yeah, that was a really good interview. So if you haven't listened to that yet, it's about uh, us being cyborgs 
that's the first part. Yeah. It's about the first kind of 10 minutes or so we talk She's about She's a cyborg that. anthropologist, uh, which uh, I really envy her for that title. I wish I could be something cool like that. UX designer doesn't really doesn't say anything, turn any heads. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't ask any questions either. See, cyborg no, anthropologist. If, if you say to someone, I'm a cyborg anthropologist, the first question is, I mean, what's that? And you can actually explain yeah. it. Whereas someone goes, what, what's a UX designer? Mm. And then you spend basically f- half an hour avoiding or uh, trying to give an answer that doesn't really make sense I make stuff easy anywhere. for people. Uh, okay, sounds like fun. Yeah, but you could say that about <laughs> lubrication. <laughs> okay, here we go. <coughs> <laughs> no, uh, um, really good interview. But then we published out this morning. Mm-hmm. Recorded it um, two weeks ago, I think. Oh, last week. Was it last week yeah. we got it? I lose track now. Mm. Um, but it, it kind of ties in nicely with the, the episode before that, 121, where we talked to um, Chris Nussel. Because um, t- we were talking to Chris about... Um, um, agentive, a- technology. agentive technology. Yeah. Whereas with Amber, we're talking, we moved on from an- uh, cyborg, an- cyborg anthropology to talking about calm technology. Um, and I, I describe this a little bit as, as push and pull. That they, they yeah, I didn't really get that, but you can expl- that. explain it now. All right. Now, with the... Because um, when we're talking with, with, with Amber... She was starting off by talking about how, um, as cyborgs now, we're using the internet as an extension of our minds. Mm-hmm. And then we, we kind of, you know, we fish in that kind of extension for answers. You know, we go out to Google, we go out to the internet, and we grab stuff. We don't bother remembering ourselves anymore. We go out into the, the big wild internet and grab stuff back. We yeah. retrieve it. Um, whereas what Chris was talking about was stuff being pushed to us that as, you know, we'd have agents out there working on our behalf. So you know, we wouldn't need to look for stuff. We wouldn't need to kind of do stuff to make stuff happen. It would happen for us. Okay, yeah. So okay. do you see what, yeah. you see what I mean there with the push and pull? Nice. Uh, um, so I think they really, they really go well together, those two shows. Oh, they do. The, I mean, all these, this AI stuff is, I mean, everybody's talking about it now. It seems to be the big thing this year. And it, I, ha- I haven't come across it yet. I guess the closest you come to it is uh, in the past is like designing error messages that understand what you've done wrong and giving you advice on what to do uh, to repair what you've done or the mistakes you've done. Um, but working with an AI like Siri or uh, any, any voice control or uh, having agents do stuff for you. I've signed up for this uh, service online. It's called x.ai. Still, I'm still in the queue, so I haven't tried it out yet. I'm really excited to try that out. It's, it's supposed to be booking mo- meetings for you. Uh, it, it's a bot called Amy. And uh, when, when you get a meeting invitation or someone wanting to meet up with you, you just send along uh, who wants to meet up uh, to this Amy bot. And it will distribute all the emails and ask people when they can do it. And, but do it, of course, then in a, in, a, in a voice or in a mannerism that seems human. Right. And that's something we talked to Chris about. I mean, if they seem human and then you realize that they're not human... Will you feel that it's fake mm. or will you feel that you were fooled? Mm. Uh, and how do you deal with stuff like that? Uh, so there are so many aspects of this that are going to be popping up over, probably not for, for everyone this year, but over the next five years, th- there's going to be a huge uh, increase in the number of AI interfaces that we normal UX designers will be working with. And uh, we need to start thinking about what personalities mm. do we want these Ooh. things to have and how, yeah. how open do we, ha- do, do we have to be about... That they are bo- they are bots or not, mm. and not and not just personalities. Mm. I mean, mm. we need to we need to they need to understand context. We've mm. talked about it a few times, and uh, even go back to the um, the zero UI show um, with Andy Goodman. Right. Yeah. Um, then we talked a fair bit about about context. Mm. 
to, to, to do with interfaces, you need to have much better understanding of context. Anyway, well, there's me and you babbling away. Well, why don't we try and get someone to, to call and ask a question before, um, before, be, before Danway be nice. gets... Um, um, I still haven't tweeted. I, I can't. I, I can't multitask. If anyone wants to, if anyone wants to ring in, um, please do. Please do. Just <laughs> click on the um, click on the call in. There's a there's a big round call in um, button which you just click, and um, I think after that you get to choose which mic and camera you use. Yeah, you have to approve that the browser gets control over your camera and microphone. Yeah, and then you choose. Unless you're on the iOS app, and then you'll probably have done that already. And ooh, this oh, is something ooh, We got Pidya. Oh, and sound as Excellent. well. Excellent. Um, Lovely. Right. Welcome to US Podcast. And Thanks, yeah. everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your patience <laughs> in, um, in, yeah, in no getting work. But I, I got to hide in a toilet with a <laughs> tablet. So, yeah. <laughs> what would you like to talk to us about? Um, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, like international user research. And ooh, okay. I guess, like, um, you know, if if you've done it before, things to watch out for, or things that you caught yourself doing that may not have been great or helpful. <laughs> With international research, here you're thinking about you know, it's a it's a product or a, a website. It's something you're, you're designing that has target audiences spanning multiple countries. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So to be yeah. working in a um, uh, just. In, in a market that's not, I guess, like your whatever your native market is. The only time, I, time I've done this is actually when I worked uh, as a consultant for Vattenfall, uh, the large energy company, because they have offices in Poland, in, in uh, Holland, in Germany, Finland, and Sweden. Uh, and I wasn't at, at that point responsible. I was like managing UX, so I wasn't responsible for doing the tests, but I was on location at the different uh, in the different countries when they were doing tests of the uh, new front page. And... The way I remember it is that they, because there were different teams and different smaller companies doing UX in each con country, uh, and they all did it really differently. But some did it, with the, I, I like in Germany, they had these, well, one-way mirrors, and you were sitting in a huge room with computers. A kind of traditional Look, lab situation. Yeah, really, yeah. really like a lab situation. And in, in Poland, it was just you're sitting in the same room taking notes behind someone. Uh, so it was, it was, that was the biggest difference for me, but the actual... Uh, scenarios and use cases that you were testing uh, weren't that different. So I, I'm not sure I can say that I have a lot of experience in that. Well, I've got, uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking about my experience of it, because what, what, what I've done mainly is I've been, I've been mainly involved as um, the Stockholm person doing the Stockholm um, user research or user testing. Exactly, so you're being in, that small c company in Sweden for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And, and this kind of two reflections. Mm. One of them is, Congratulations if you're an organization that's actually um, given the go-ahead and the prioritize for doing user research in the multiple markets mm -hmm. because I, mm -hmm. I find even these kind of relationships and these kind of assignments I get offered is that um, I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get an email saying, James, can you help out with doing um, user research or testing um, in April? And, and then I'll reply and say, well, yeah, no, I reckon I've got some time to do, fit that in. Um, and then you get an email about three days later saying, oh, no, the client pulled out. They've, they've prioritized <laughs> their home market mm. um, due to cost or, you know, that kind of it, it follows a similar kind of pattern that they kind of mm. they've, they've seen they've got the idea right. They go ahead and then they pull back when they realize how expensive it actually is. Yeah. And then a second thing I, I was thinking about um, a chat we had with um, um, Natalie Nahai a couple of years ago um, about um, the importance of culture. And you've already brought mm. this up mm. with with um, the local companies doing the local research is that um to get the most out of 
local people, I think you've got to be local. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I agree too. Mm. I don't have personal experience from doing user research in other countries, but from what I hear from other people and what I hear from you guys, I mean, having the local connection, understanding the customs and understanding how to talk to people and what not to do and what to do, mm. I think that has a lot to do uh, with how good quality you get out of your user mm. research. I would assume that it is an advantage mm. being local. A lang language is extremely mm. important. So it's mm. culture and language, yeah. of course. Yeah. Mm. In Germany, we had someone actually live translating mm. the interview, one of the responses. Yeah. Uh, so we had that in our headphones, which was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I think, I think that's an, it's a crucial mm. part is that local um, aspect and understanding and, you know, and, and how you frame things as well. Is the local knowledge mm. helps you. I mean, but that, that's, that's maybe not, that doesn't exclude you from doing research in other countries. Um, or um, research doesn't have to be um, in person. I mean, there are, there are ways you can, you can, the ways you can pose questions that maybe are possible. But, it, but it is a diff I think it's difficult when you're going beyond English speaking only. Mm. I mean, as, as yeah. you're, are you, where, where are you based? Um, uh, so I'm in Melbourne, yeah, in Melbourne. Australia. Yeah. But, but um, my company's recently... Uh, bought a um, like Southeast Asian property portal mm. well they many property portals throughout Southeast Asia as well as like quite a few international like uh, I think there's one out of Lux one out of Italy mm. and um, one in the States so um, I guess like from my perspective I'm the user I'm one of the user researchers in the company and I'm interested in kind of um, figuring out how we can kind of get like at least like a common framework around all of that but mm. also allow the room for the nuances of each market and and culture mm. so it's something mm. with enough enough rigor so that we can be doing things similar yeah. but enough flexibility for each of those markets and cultures that we're going to be interviewing and and trying to understand mm. i think i think that's exactly how i'd approach it that you you build a framework international framework um, you basically give the local markets or local um, people the, the the framework or the toolbox of how to do it, and then let them get on with it, um, so that you don't stamp your authority too hard right. and, and on the local I mean, research. The testing itself is actually you're learning about each mm. person and you're learning about the culture as you go along. So actually, what goes on the context, uh, sort of like I was talking about, the context of the test mm. is actually more. Uh, you have to put more effort into that. How do you greet people when they arrive? What do they expect to get in return? Uh, things like that. How do you dress? Mm. <laughs> to, to, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, could be stuff like that that affect how people respond to you and, and whether they're willing to go along uh, on your terms with the test. Mm. I think very early on as well, the, the, when, you, when you're doing these kind of research, um, user research locally, you can maybe find out things um, that shatter your perceptions of how useful a product or a service might be. Because mm. you, you, you have your, your English-speaking, um, I would say Western world, but that's not really mm. kind of true for you because you're down there right on the bottom bit of the earth. Oh, Australia, Australia is very much Western. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I know so that, but I wondered the way of me saying oh, sorry, Western yeah. world and then kind of like, I'm meaning Australia as well, and that's not Western. You just all, turn it? it upside down and sound yeah. the Western side. But, yeah. but yeah, so we, have these, <laughs> we project these onto all these other cultures and you realize, I mean, no, that's just not true at all. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one of the most enlightening things when you, like me, you know, moving moving country and I spent um, nearly 16 years now living in Sweden um, so I had you know the, the initial um, culture well culture shock but the kind of cultural 
experience of, of learning the, the nuances of Sweden compared to the UK. And then now I'm at that point, because I've been living away from the UK so long, that I'm starting to realise I don't really understand what happens in the UK in many situations. I, I'm kind of too <laughs> distant. So you end up being yeah. like in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. That was really great. Thank you for calling in. That was in. a really good question. Yeah, excellent. Thanks so much. Tough question, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have an open seat, so we're taking callers. <laughs> Rowan, that Rowan, was fun. Rowan says he left on his own accord. He wasn't pushed. <laughs> oh, okay. Excellent. Did we have a conversation well, before that we did not finish? Or well, I can't remember. No, well, I, I started off quite a while ago talking about the, I think, well, since what's happened since we did a live broadcast last in December, um, at least with a podcast. And we've mm. done some really, really good interviews. And yeah. I mentioned the fact we had Amber Case came out this, um, this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that we talked to um, Chris Nassel um, mm-hmm. before that um, about agentive, um, agentive, 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 agentive. He uh, says agentive. Yeah. So I'm going to say it like Chris. Well, it, it makes sense because agents, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> says, oh. um, and then before that, we had Melissa Perry. Yeah. Um, Which has proved to be extremely popular. It was a very popular show. Yeah. Um, and I, it's been been an eye opener actually for me. I mean, I've I've understood there's this kind of like. Um, separation between product management and UX, even though there's, a, there's an overlap. I mean, that, that much I've gathered from projects. You can see it. Mm. Um, and that some project managers are more UX-y than, than other ones. Um, but what the, um, what the show with Mercer Perry did, which we called uh, product management and or versus US, uh, UX and, mm. I think, wasn't it? Um, is that, that the world, the, the product management world? I think it's bigger than the UX world. So when you, when you dive in a little bit into the prod product management world i, I realized it was absolutely massive um, you mean bigger as in more popular right now or more people actually being product manager than possibly both but um hmm. i think it's actually the case that pe- more people, people are product managers yeah. than we have realized and we haven't realized that the overlap is so big with oh, what I we see. do and and what product managers do and that they're over there kind of discussing very similar things yeah. and looking here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we're looking there but it hmm. So I, I, I feel like there's probably more of them job title-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's one of the things. that Product management is one of those more established mm. boxes. Mm. It's, it's, mm. A, it's a label that you put on people. Whereas, as we've discussed many times, mm. UX is, is a bastardized name and title, and mm. it, we all get mad variations that don't really make any sense whatsoever. So it seems like we have this opportunity to have this label and put it on ourselves and get more approval from everyone mm. and more understanding perhaps from larger organizations and companies as well about what we do. But she mentioned them doing wireframes, product managers doing wireframes. Well, yeah, but that's the same as like we, I suppose, mm. we, you, in design studios or meetings, mm. you have get people sketching. I mean, anyone, anyone can sketch. Of course. Um, you work, I mean, I'm, I think you're bordering into unicorn territory when you're saying that product managers should wireframe or should. Exactly. So they have the same design. problems that we do, yet yeah. you can't do everything. Mm. No. Um. But I think it also differs between companies. I know my previous company, Microsoft, had lots of product managers. And I, I think their roles were, I think they mainly sat in Excel. Mm. It's more of a um, manager. Budget yeah. side of things. Yes. So mm. I think maybe people use, use those titles differently, depending on the company, the size of the company, maybe. Mm. So. Yeah, and also, yeah, and like you, you're uh, talking about the, the, the product development process yeah, yeah. inside mm, the company mm, mm. Um, whether you're an incumbent or a startup I mean it's yes. this, <laughs> yeah. yeah I can see there's, there's a lot a lot of yeah. variations within mm. the field but they're still all product managers yes yes <laughs> um, but um, we um, 
um, what we talked about with Melissa, one of the things I mentioned with Melissa and it's actually been, oh, I can see that they're, they're, they're watching now as well, the um, uh, New York University Libraries. Um, I, I mentioned the idea of, um, originally I mentioned it when we chatted to um, Simon Mo- uh, Norris yeah. um, with macro UX and micro UX mm. as a way of, of, of helping, because we've been talking a lot about UX strategy mm. and I'm, I know that, at least me and Yupo, we're not big fans of the, the concept <coughs> of UX strategy. For me, UX is strategy. So It's not, I mean, UX strategy, the only one you need for UX strategy is basically mm. make good shit. I mean, you know, all the other <laughs> strategies are kind of, you know, what the hell are you messing with? Um, well, that depends on what you I mean. I'm being a bit yeah. silly, but, but well, so, so, but what I said by macro and micro UX, I wanted to make it a bit easier to, to, to split between the production of artifacts. So, you know, when you're getting into the <coughs> details of making something, whether yeah. it's an interaction design um, or whether it's an information architecture mm. or, or, or that kind of thing, mm. um, compared to... Uh, maybe uh, more holistic things like maybe some research or, mm. or, or um, creation of concepts mm. um, or, or frameworks, design frameworks and so on. That maybe how, do, how do things work together and, and maybe some of the cross-platform mm. or cross-device um, aspects of things. That, that, that's something more macro. It's a, it's mm. a bigger issue and it spans mm. many interfaces and, and many situations. Right. Whereas it, when you're dealing with um, very specific design of a, of a button, that's, that's something very micro. It's, it's, a, it's a detail. And some people would probably even argue that that's not UX. That's user interface. That's not UX. Yeah, or, or interaction design. And that's what it used to be. Yeah, or it, it used to be that, and we m- wanted to move away from that, so we started calling it something else. Mm. Uh, I think our friend uh, Chris McCann uh, has, a, has a nice way of putting it. What you're, what you're describing there is that strategy, uh, or the, the macro UX, is all about building the right thing, like finding out, what to build, and of course the micro UX is about building it right, that building it in the correct way. And what people tend to do is start building it in the correct way before finding out what are we building. Building it in the right way but building the wrong thing, <laughs> that's not something you want to spend time on. I keep, I keep forgetting the fact that, because we're, we're sat here with our <coughs> laptops looking at the, I'm looking at this one mm-hmm. to look at the Blab panel, and uh, the actions we need to take are mm-hmm. over there. Um, yeah, uh, but we have a question that's popped up, and it's a real oh question yeah. from Rowan. Yeah. Uh, it's, have you seen any 2016 trend predictions start to unfold? We mm. didn't do a trend show last year, and we, no, we voted didn't. against it. <laughs> we decided not to do it, yeah. Um, so there's two parts of this. What were the trends that were predicted <laughs> for this year? Mm. Um, we'd have decided that first before we can see whether they're happening or not. Mm. I can't remember if it was one that was predicted, but one one thing that we definitely talked about um, or saw being mentioned an awful lot towards the end of last year was material design. Um, material yeah. design is even a topic that we've tried to get uh, people to co- come well, on the show and yeah, talk about. But, but we've really yeah. struggled to find someone who, who wants to be the kind of discussion partner for material design. Um, and uh, material design seems to be growing still. There's more and more things looking material design like, mm. and I think that's possibly a good thing. Mm. Um, did it, well, for those that I don't know how many, this is enough, something else I've noticed is the amount of people that don't really realise what material design is, which is why we wanted to cover it on the show. Mm. Um, I saw that Chrome is actually coming out. The yeah. next version is coming out completely material designed. Mm. If you can say that, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with a material design. Yeah. Is that what you say? Yes, that's what that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but material design, it, um, for those that don't know, and I've realised there's a lot of people in our branch 
um, who don't work with <coughs> mobile mm. apps or mm. Android apps in particular um, haven't really heard so much about material design. But it's, it's Google's design framework, um, I suppose is a way of putting it. And the idea, it's, it's kind of based on paper, real layers of paper and things and how and, and the physical world how how you would move things and the be, you know, transitions are really important and stacking layers of, of papers and things are really important but it's also very not skeuomorphic but yeah. it's very flat no shadows and oh yeah no no the shadows that's important oh, part of it true. it's a very important small, part of it small tiny shadows but it's meant to be <laughs> but the point is realistic shadowing that rather than kind of like okay. you know, five pixels, whatever, drop shadow, you're actually doing stuff that implies you know the depth. So you're holding. So I say about the papers that if you you know if you've if you've got two layers, you've got like a um, what they call a fab, a floating mm. action button. Mm. If you've got that here, then oh, you can see on my hand. Look, look, there's a natural shadow on my hand. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that is material design. That the, the mm. shadow of the of the fab button here would mm. leave a realistic shadow underneath, as opposed to kind of just. Oh, here's a thing, it's got five mm. pixel drop shadow, here's mm. another thing underneath, it's also got a five pixel drop shadow, mm. which is just, it's not realistic. Mm. So the, 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 one of the points, maybe you should interview me for material design. It <laughs> sounds like yes. it. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, things I've just been, <laughs> I've been reading stuff because I'm interested in it. Mm. I think it excites me that, um, what's excited me is when I've seen material design be adopted beyond Android apps. Mm. And Telegram is one of the things uh, that we use now a fair bit, really like, and that has a material design um, across the web mm. and the devices. I haven't actually seen the iPhone version of the app. Yeah, we'll look at it later. But um, but when, so when, when, when I interview you, yeah. <laughs> so 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 there's a cross-platform aspect of a design, and <coughs> we haven't really had that that kind of organised uh, assault. Oh, no, not assault. I mean, a kind of organised rollout of of something across mm. everything. You know, we've had iOS design guidelines. You've mm. had Microsoft. Oh, Mi yeah. yeah, Windows the Microsoft Phone. Microsoft design guidelines. Yes. That and that was intended to go across. Yes. The whole lot. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't really know what's going on right now. But I think they had the intention of mm. doing it. Yeah. But that mm. kind of, I suppose, from from a Windows user point of view. That felt like it fell over with Windows, um, uh, Windows Eight, because well, yeah, that was when the kind of it came yeah. out full on yes. um, tile based, yeah. and, and the design mm. um, la uh, language was rolled out mm. um, across the mobile surface and mm. then Windows. Mm -hmm. But all the users went, "Whoa! What are you doing to yeah. my Windows? <laughs> what have you? What are you doing to Windows now? It's yeah. it's kind of Windows Vista all over yeah. again. I don't know yes. what's going on." So with Windows Ten, mm -hmm. it's taken a step. Yeah, and now it feels like the Windows is rolling onto the phones and. All the other devices, so it's been a pushback. I, I yeah, I, I, that from a user point of view, it's it's um, it feels like the 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 familiarity of Windows itself was too strong mm. to to be ripped away from us that yeah. quickly. So so what is possibly? Because I didn't get really into it, but what is possibly a, a good um, design platform is maybe going to be wasted mm. because of the implementation. Yeah, I, I feel very sad that it's not as strong as it was before because I really and I thought it was super I, mm. I I think maybe it's like what um, the Android people think material design is that's how I felt about metro design what mm. they called it when they launched it metro, first. Yeah. yeah because it was all about being flat metro because it was inspired by the subway system the mm. metro system mm. it was all about getting from point A to point B as mm. quick as possible right and you were supposed to be very um, aware of how you transition between those stops mm. and also very uh, detailed about the animation and trans, uh, trans, uh, transitions, transitions. Mm. if you were going deeper into an app it was certain transitions 
And if we were going out of an app and switching apps, it was another kind of transitions. It was supposed to convey a meaning. Yeah. So I, I thought it was very uh, thorough, mm. but I'm sad it didn't stick. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, hopefully, Google will have a better chance of getting the material mm. design to stick mm. if it's... I'm thinking well. now that maybe material design is what's appealing to me when I'm thinking about switching to Android now, actually. It's some, there's mm. something off with the iPhone that I, I can't really put my finger on it, but mm. there doesn't seem to be the same attention to design. Well, Don Norman has been criticizing Apple mm. for this as well. Mm. Uh, they don't, ha don't have the same attention to design rules anymore. Uh, I saw people yesterday get excited in a, in a, a chat group uh, because they realized that, okay, so look at this. If you slide from the bottom of the screen and you turn on the flashlight... The tiny, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking here, is like two pixels uh, wide. The button on the small icon for the flashlight, when I turn it on, the small tiny button moves. And they were really oh. excited about that. And for me, it's like, <laughs> okay, that's a fun detail, but <laughs> do you want to spend your time on that or do you want to spend your time on getting, getting the, uh, the, the actual interface right? You still have, if you want to undo on the iPhone, you still have to shake it. That's oh. how you undo stuff on the iPhone. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, they just know, yeah, just no idea that's what you need to do. Um, I'd rather see that, have something happen with that rather than that little mm. small button on the flashlight <laughs> icon. <move. laughs> well, I think another, another thing that uh, appeals a bit about um, material design is that Google have put a lot of effort into to thinking this through and then presenting it. And then it's kind of, well, here you are. Mm. Do you what know, you want with it. Read it. Oops. And mm. yeah, yeah. And we're, no, we're not saying... We're not saying implement this on your website. Mm. Um, we're not saying you should do this. We're just saying this is the concept of material yeah. design. Mm. Follow these rules, but implement it where the hell you like. Mm. Um, and if you follow the rules, it'll, it'll work. And I think that's what I'm liking with like yeah, Telegram. Nice. Yeah. That I'm seeing that, um, oh, right. There's a, there's a bit of familiarity there. I mean, a visual familiar mm. familiarity. But, um, but, uh, but it's desktop, and it suits the desktop. Mm. And then when I'm on the phone, it kind of suits the phone. And it, it's... Um, it's not trying to be exactly the same. It's, yeah. it's respecting its design environment, but also the device you're using. And we'll I still we'll definitely do a show about that, and maybe we won't yeah. have to bring someone else on, because you seem to know a lot about well, no, but it. I, no, but I want, I want to talk to someone who's, wor who's actually worked with, with yeah. designing it, because I mean, I'm just I'm a user so of if it. If li anyone listening or watching, then uh, please uh, know someone who's worked with that, and mm. let us know. And I, I've mentioned it a few times. That one of my, that's still <laughs> one of my favorite designed apps visually, um, is is Google's um, um, calendar app on the on, on Android? Um, there's some the wonderful details um, and, and and the material design aspect of it as well. Um, I'm playing with it now and looking at. Um, I mean, I just I just I mean, I want to show really? down. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I just, I just nice. love the yeah. fact that it's layered. So you've got the when we change the transition between months here. Um, oh. The background picture for March. It's oh, clearly it's clearly behind. Yeah, it's very nice. And so we've got this scroll yeah. of, of content on my calendar, and then here you've got the f the, the action button down at the bottom, which is clearly on top. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so and then looks another nice. details like when you uh, scroll to something that's got a location. Um, oh no, no, I can't see it. There, you see now that one's got a location. Mm -hmm. So you've got the map as the background, oh. and then there's my cricket practice, oh, yeah. and it's got the <laughs> picture. It's got the street view picture. And then birthdays will have like a cake. Uh. So there's, there's a lot of little <laughs> fun, Details, attention, yes. yeah, fun yeah. attention to detail as well as, you know, implementation of mm. material design. Mm. So um, fun attention. Okay, so I have a question for you. Not, I don't actually. One person calling in. Ooh, we've got a caller. Hello there. Hello. Hey. Hi. Can you hear me all right? Yes, yes I can, can hear you wonderfully. Thank you. Welcome to UX Podcast. Hi, so, yeah, hi. I'm Christian. I'm from NYU Libraries. Um, 
if you don't mind talking to me, I'm the lowly intern, but everyone else is busy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't put yourself uh, down. It's absolutely fantastic <laughs> you call in. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're so, we've been, you know, admiring you guys for a while. And we listened to your podcast this week on Macro and Micro UX. Um, so I was kind of curious, you know, obviously we're an academic library here in New York. And we're, we have a lot of big projects all the time. So I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on the application of like Macro and Micro UX in academics specifically. If you had any kind of insights there. Oh. I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn to Dunway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that's because I'm a, I'm a PhD student. Uh, I'm doing my research uh, in design and more specifically in interaction design and even more specifically (laughs) sketching uh, in the area of that. But I'm fairly new. I just started in January uh, January, uh, last year. Um, And when it comes to micro and macro, oh, wow, that's a tough question. I don't... Big question, yeah. I guess, uh, do you have anything specific in mind? I'm, I'm thinking about... Um, micro as in, you know, as a PhD student, I'm very micro focused right now. I'm trying to find, you know, a specific area where maybe I can contribute, contribute with something new. Whereas a lot of the more senior professors seems to look at the design field in a more uh, macro perspective, trying to come up with new methods or uh, in that aspect. I don't know if that's a little bit micro-macro uh, thinking. Yeah, I guess, because um, I'm just kind of thinking very broad terms because we have a lot of different projects all the time, um, which is what I'm learning. I'm in studying, I'm getting my MLS, so I'm learning, you know, academics mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. UX is new to me, so I was very glad to get to call to you guys. Um, I guess I'm just thinking in, in general terms, more like if you guys have any really solid insights for good protocols, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, projects oh. I'm probably supposed to. Do that. <laughs> I'm just thinking one thing that I mean the the academic world um, that will have some obvious differences to to a business situation. Um, well, maybe not, maybe in the US that's maybe slightly less so. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking that here in Europe anyway, um, a lot of the the educational institutions they're um, they're they're not driven as companies. Um, mm-hmm. They're driven more as, as institutions yeah. uh, often paid for by taxpayers money um but um although uh, i suppose people are paying for courses themselves mm-hmm. with money and things is course fees and so on but um no so i was thinking more than the macro side of things when you're when you're looking in the the bigger picture of of, of ux within um, um educational establishments then um then maybe the processes and the drivers internally will be challenging differently compared to what it would be in a business mm. environment I think that we've we've talked about um, one of the recent interviews with um, Tom Griever about um, communicating, um, articulating design decisions, um, and that m- much of what we talked about there was about how you'd how you deal with with the hippos, the business people, the mm-hmm. highest paid person in the room, and kind mm-hmm. of thing, and and the relationship towards that, and and that kind of um, structure and and um, organisational mm-hmm. challenge maybe in academia is is maybe needs a slightly different or, or maybe mm. you, you have different solutions for that compared to what you do. That's probably a good po- podcast to listen to. Uh, that makes me think about that. It, it's really about how you communicate and what you're communicating in, in, in what context you're communicating. But are we are, like, again, are we talking about how uh, or are we building the right thing or are we building it right? So are we offering 
the right courses <laughs> and are the courses designed uh, with, with the in right intent in mind. Uh, so depending on who you are in the organization, then uh, you'll be communicating differently. And what tends to happen in a lot of the worlds I've been in, uh, whether it's been companies or, or state-owned companies, uh, state-owned organizations, is that people who work in UX tend to want to show the deliverables. This is what we're going to build for you. Uh, before they're talking about, uh, before they even mention anything about, are we building the right thing? I.e., uh, how do we measure and and make sure that we are uh, getting something out of it? What what is the reward for us as an organization? Uh, and having those on paper before going to the actual deliverables. That's what comes to mind. Without without knowing an, an exact problem, do you have an exact? Do you have a like a defined problem or a challenge that you you could like g give an example of? I was kind of just more. Because um, we have a lot of different projects, um, but I was kind of just more interested in, in your insights, just because you've been here before. I'm, you know, a student, um, and I've been here about two months. So I'm still learning a lot of different things. Mm. But actually, what you told me has been very, very helpful. So thank you. Wow. Um, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think uh, I don't want to tie up your line anymore. But thank you guys so much for talking to me. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you much for calling in. <laughs> well, that was loads of fun. <laughs> I loved uh, trying out Blab. Uh, all that chatting that was going on as we were doing the show, that was really fun because we got feedback. We got people answering us what we're, to things we were saying <laughs> to each other, and they were answering us in the chat room. Uh, and, of course, getting a lot of questions there as well. It was, it was uh, a new type of interactivity that we'd not experienced before, and that was really, really fun. We had um, four people who were kind enough to, to call in during the, um, uh, the phone-in. Um, Rowan Irvine, um, Kristen um, Duresh, Tim Wright, and Johan. Axel. Yeah. Um, first few of those you've heard today, and the second half of them you'll hear in the next episode. Um, you'll be able to find show notes. Um, or you can find show notes for this episode on uxpodcast.com. Um, if you are already a subscriber, then please subscribe, and you can find details about how to do that on uxpodcast.com mm -hmm. slash subscribe. But as a little kind of tip, you just search for UX Podcast anywhere and you'll be able to find us um, our survey is still up and running so you can fill that in uxpodcast.com slash survey and that's it for today you don't want to miss the next listener phone in because th this was so much fun so be sure to subscribe as well Whoops. to our backstage email newsletter remember to keep moving see you on the other side and stay curious <laughs>